Hey everyone, welcome to the Living Movies Podcast, brought to you in part by Water and Shade Media. I'm your host, John Schindel, and I'm joined this week by Jared Bateman. And we're here to talk about the movie, The Incredibles. All right, so this movie, we're talking about The Incredibles, which... Oh, and the one thing I didn't look up as I was looking up this movie is when this movie was released. I think it was 05, 04. 04, 04 2004. Oh, that's the year that I graduated from high school. Uh-huh. Hmm. So this came out my senior year in high school. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't actually remember seeing this movie in theaters. I know I watched it. I know I've watched it. Any number of times. I, I enjoy it, but I don't remember seeing it for the first time. What about you? I want to say I saw it in theaters. Okay. Uh, but I feel like I remember the movie more than the place it was in. <laughs> um, just because I was so blown away. It was so good. Definitely a family favorite. Uh, what's interesting to me, watching it now, it, it's, it's kind of the precursor to the whole super super movies thing that is going on. Uh, this movie came out at the same time that Spider-Man two did. And let's see, when did Batman? It was before the Batman reboots. Yeah. Batman begins was in 2005. So it was uh, Batman. It was, it was probably in production at that point, but, but it was before Batman. Uh, it was in the middle of Spider-Man's like, but this was, this was before the whole Iron Man came out. Iron Man was um, no okay. Iron Man was oh eight. I'm thinking because Iron Man this was this would have been the Hulk. Um, Yeah, that was uh, the oh this was the Eric Bana, the Ang Lee Hulk movie. This was not the Ed Norton the MCU Hulk. Wow. So yeah, this was this was when comic book movies were trying to do things, but were not having great success. I mean, I remember Spider-Man being pretty good. Um, see the Mm -hmm. Punisher came out at some point. The Punisher was in 2004 also. And I remember seeing that one in theater. I remember that one. I remember the event of going to the movies because that was, that was a bigger deal for me at that time. But, but yeah, so, so we're kind of at a lull for superhero movies and then Pixar just comes in with the Incredibles and blows our minds with it because it was so good. Oh yeah. And I, I think, I think the thing that makes it so good just from a, from an enjoyment perspective, at least for me, is that it doesn't focus on the superhero part of the superheroes. It focuses on them as people and it's a movie where they just happen to be superheroes and and that's the plot, but, but it focuses on the people. It's a, it's a character study of the people, not, not a, not a, you know, a flashy superhero movie. Right. Uh, on our last show, we reviewed Soul, which was Pixar's latest movie. And I was saying that that might be Pixar's first midlife crisis movie. Well, I stand corrected after rewatching The Incredibles because I think The Incredibles is a midlife crisis movie. Mm-hmm. I think Bob's going through a midlife crisis in this movie. And we get to see how he deals with that and how he grows and, and how he figures out how to cope with his, his life changing and his responsibilities changing which I found I found very interesting because I feel like I'm kind of in the same place, which is not something I think I noticed 
watching it ever before. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about the movie for a little bit. Uh, so. So this movie was directed by Brad Bird. He this is the first movie that he directed. He goes on to direct both Ratatouille and The Incredibles two, and he was he was all of the director, screenplay, and the story for both Incredibles and Incredibles two. He wrote the entire thing. This is not Brad Bird's first animated movie, however. It is not. He also did Iron Giant, which is a fantastic movie as well. It is. That's we'll have to like review that one. Pixar movie. That's not a Pixar movie, but very. Uh, I liked it. I don't remember watching it as a kid, but I, I know I've watched it since. And I, I do like that movie. I, I think that is one we'll have to review. Yeah, it's one of the first movies I saw in theaters, and I was just enamored of it. Huh. But it is. It is a bit of a. I'll admit it's. It has its like kind of a cult following far more so than um, the Incredibles as far as like people either didn't see it or loved it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of people in both camps. (laughs) Well, that's kind of how those cult movies work. Yeah. So no, you're right. So what was interesting to me is most of the other Pixar movies at this point have been written, produced, directed by Pixar people who were either hired by Disney and were longtime Disney and then Pixar employees or were hired at the origin of Pixar. Like you said, Brad Bird had a, had a career long before he came to Disney and he was with Disney for a while and then he got fired and then he did a bunch of other random stuff. He did iron giant. He did a couple episodes of the Simpsons. He did, he was just all over the place doing whatever he could get his hands on. And then, and then Pixar hired him. And then his first movie pitch was The Incredibles. So it was interesting. I thought he was kind of just a random guy, but apparently not. Now, here's the most fun thing is he was the voice of Edna Mode. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And then uh, they played a joke on him. And I got this straight off of Wikipedia. So take it for what you ha- what you will. But they played a joke on him that uh, they based both Syndrome and Mr. Incredibles facial features off of his face. And he didn't realize it until later in production. I've got pictures of Brad Bird next to Syndrome and like, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities. It's kind of funny. It is. It's goofy. Speaking of Pixar Easter eggs, there is no Pizza Planet truck in The Incredibles. What? Yeah, because uh, Brad Bird didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> oh, so no. he just like wrote it in and nobody bothered to correct him. So there's no pizza planet truck. Oh no. That's so is it part of the extended Pixar universe or not? Wow. That's a really good question. So kind of speaking of just kind of Pixar theory and kind of where it takes, where the movie takes place. uh, I remember watching it and being really kind of confused as to like, what is happening (laughs) where it is Um, because there's just so many things that seem like out of place you know like certain cars and things that are just like look much older than modern like you usually assume that a movie takes place generally in the period in which it was actually you know produced right so you're assuming it's taking place in the early 2000s but it's not Um, it's actually 
kind of rewatching and looking through it. It's really supposed to be taking place more like during the seventies. Oh, it's fifties and sixties. I think that's when it starts. And then it's 20 years later. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's gotcha. like the fifties, maybe early sixties when it starts. And then it's in the seventies when okay. the, the actual film takes place is sometime in the seventies but very kind of contemporary with um, some of the themes from which it pulls, uh, like the 007 James Bond kind of themes and the whole kind of the golden age of superhero comics, um, Mm -hmm. which really kind of takes place between like the 50s and the 70s, depending on who you ask. Well, in the James Bond movies, I just looked it up. They started in the early 60s and went from there. Right. One every every year, every other year for ever. <laughs> yes, right. Um, but really kind of the when it was more popular and kind of its own sort of genre, really being mm-hmm. kind of in the 60s, 70s, really. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I, there's There's a lot of technology in the movie that is very out of place for reality, but not so much for the the comics, the comics of that era. I mean, they had, they had iPads and retinal scanners and they, they just had crazy technology. Which again is kind of the whole James Bond stuff of, yeah. you know, a villain in this kind of secret lair. And I mean, even some of the scenes are like literally pulled straight out of Moonraker <laughs> or something like that from the yeah. James Bond series. Uh, they have like some of the same cars and the same uniforms that look just like Bond henchmen. Oh, and, yeah, right. And, and so many of those kind of fun themes, which is really kind of an interesting, like, you wouldn't just normally think like, oh, yeah, like James Bond and the X-Men, they go together like two peas in a pod. <laughs> huh. But, but they totally do. But they totally did. And here is this perfect marrying of these two concepts. They're like, not exactly opposite but you wouldn't necessarily say them in the same breath but it makes it makes for its own kind of themes and and very interesting kind of callbacks to different things from both from comic book stuff with a lot of posing and things like that that the different characters Mm -hmm. do and also from a lot a lot of james bond tropes (laughs) yeah it, it's a it's it's super fun. I mean, there's a there's a reason that the James Bond franchise has done so well for itself, mm-hmm. and I I think a lot of that is the same reason that we both love The Incredibles so much. So, all right, let's take a let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to dive into characters and motivations and all that good stuff. I know we talk about movies here, but something that's also important as parents is spending quality time away from screens, which is something that can be difficult. So I'm really excited to bring you Rooted Childhood. So each month of Rooted Childhood offers a curated set of stories, poetry, books, and eight simple handicraft projects, along with a detailed supply list, video tutorials, and beautiful photos for inspiration. Now, Rooted Childhood will help you spend quality time with your children instead of spending that time coming up with the next activity to do. This is something that my wife has used in the past when life just comes at us too fast and we need some help to figure out the right things to do with our kids. 
and it's been awesome. So if you're interested in finding out more about Rooted Childhood, follow the link in the show notes of this episode to check it out for yourself and to start exploring all the things that you can do with your children. All right, so I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first Pixar movie with a full family, with a mom and a dad as the protagonist family. I'm thinking... Um, think because there was Toy Story and a Bugs. Uh, let's see, Toy Story. Andy's dad is missing. A Bug's Life is well, they're bugs, so there's a queen. So I, that's weird. Monsters Inc. There really is no family. Finding Nemo, his mom is gone. So yeah, The Incredibles. There's it's the first one with a full family unit. Yeah, it might be the first Disney movie in a long time with a full family <laughs> unit. You might be right. Uh. So I thought that was interesting. They kind of break the mold with that. And it, I, as, as an adult watching this movie again, I, I really sympathized with, with mom and dad, with, with Bob and Helen as, oh man, your parents, you're dealing with all this nonsense. Your lives are changing. Your bodies are changing. Things are weird. Work sucks. This is hard. I totally, totally related with them on a very different level than I think I ever did as a parent watching this movie. And I found it kind of funny as I was watching it because they're the thoughts going through my head were not what I remember from previous watches of this movie. So, uh, Bob is a, let's see, he's the, he's, I guess he's, he's, he's going through a midlife crisis. Like I said earlier, cause he used to be a superhero and now he can't because the world has moved on. So he's having to work a desk job that he hates and all he wants to do is help people, but the company is not really, the company he's working for doesn't really want to help people. They want to make money and he's looking for the thrills from his old life. And he's, he's just being ground under the responsibility and, and, and you can see it weighing on his shoulders. He, he doesn't stand up straight. He, he's, he's just, he's tired. And the only time that he comes alive is when he's, with his buddy Lucius and they're going, they're going bowling quote unquote. And Lucius just wants to go bowling. But, but Bob wants to, he wants to get out and he wants to be Mr. Incredible. And I thought, I thought that was interesting because that's, that's totally true. I can't tell you how many men I know who, who live for playing rec basketball or, uh, you know, going hunting to relive their glory days or things like that. And, and they allow family to take a back seat to all of those activities that make them feel young again. And yet the family hurts for it. So Helen, Elastigirl, I, I, I get the feeling that she wants to have a normal family. She wants to, she wants to be a good mom. And she really is throughout the course of this movie. She's a great mom. She's, she's supporting her children. She's holding them accountable when they need to be. She's giving them leeway when they need it. Like she's, she's a picture of a really good mom. And, and her problem is that she wants her husband to be the man and the father in the house and, and doesn't know how to help him get from where he's at to where she knows he needs to be. And, and you can see her, you can see her hurting for her husband. So I, I don't know their, their relationship. I th- I thought Disney or uh, Pixar did great with their relationship. It It's, it's super realistic 
and very true to reality for husband and wife teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we go on, you got Violet and Dash and they're both, I don't know, they're kind of normal kids. Violet's super shy. She wants to be normal. She doesn't want anything to do with the super stuff. Dash is a, is a little boy. He just, he's, he's constantly moving, constantly doing stuff. He's super fast and he loves it. He, he wants to, he wants to play sports and he, he knows he can't like show up everybody, but he just, he wants to do something, which I mean, I have, I have a 10 year old boy. I guess he's eight at this point going on nine, but that's dash is pretty, pretty true to form. That's how, that's how little boys are. And then I, I think the most interesting character in this movie is syndrome or, uh, Billy, Bobby, whatever his name is, buddy, buddy. My buddy. name is buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Super boy or incredible yeah. boy. That's what it was. He just wants to be super. He wants to be, he wants to be uh Mr. Incredible sidekick. He wants to be a super, a superhero. And he goes to great lengths. I mean, he invents rocket boots that make him fly as a kid. I, I contend that buddy is a superhero and his superpower is his smarts and his ability to make things. Cause I don't know how else it would work. So that's my contention is that syndrome is actually a superhero, but he doesn't, but his superpowers don't manifest themselves in ways that allow him to be super. So later in the movie, he, he has the line that, that I think is like the tagline for this movie for syndrome is he wants, he wants everybody to be super because once everybody is super, then nobody is. He wants to bring he wants to make it an even playing field. And there's two ways to do that. One, he can kill off all of the superheroes or two, he can give everybody superhero like powers. And I feel like he's okay doing either way, but he wants to be a superhero. So he's just going to make everyone super. And that's that. And I found that really interesting because that's kind of, that's kind of a situation that that is is very typical is seeing someone else who is famous or more powerful than you are or something like that and wanting to be that and and sometimes we're just not built for it i would love to be an nba player but i <laughs> i'm not tall enough i can't run fast enough i'm not good enough it just, it wouldn't work. And I th- I think that's kind of where Buddy was early in the movie is he wanted it so bad. And then he let his own ego get in the way and he didn't realize that he was made for something else. I don't know. I, I find him an interesting character. Yeah. Um. So we've talked about, we've talked about their motivations. The whole movie is a metaphor for the nuclear family. Yeah. And and for all the things that modern life entails, okay, not all the things, but kind of the, the major things that modern life entails for for people. And so, you know, men have this desire to take care of their family, but they also have this desire to live up to something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the typical thing. Um, 
a wife really wants to take care of the family, wants to have you know, her husband there, but also wants to see him flourish. And, you know, there's all these things, even in, in the way that their powers manifest, right? The husband wants to be strong for his family. That's kind of the typical um, you know, nuclear family dad thing is to be strong and you know, quick to react. And so that's where all his powers are based on. And the mom has to be flexible. She has to be able to you know, juggle all kinds of different things, and do 10 things at once and, and fit all kinds of weird situations and things. For the kid, the, the boy wants to be athletic and quick, and he's always on his feet, just like, you know, some little eight-year-old boys, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and feels hampered in his ability to do that. And the teenager just kind of wants to disappear from people and has all these shields that she puts up to protect herself from the outside world and is always kind of hiding and unsure of herself and, and this little baby and Babies can be just about anything. I mean, who knows what a baby is going to do or what a baby is going to be. And, you know, one minute they're completely harmless and the next, oh my goodness, they just wrecked everything. And all these different <laughs> kind of analogies that have been fitted in here. That's true. I hadn't thought about that, but I think you are absolutely right. And, and they're, and they're, the way they deal with situations is based on those things. Cause you see as, as their family is a family and as mom and dash and, and dad are giving, giving her support, Violet, the daughter, she starts coming out of her shell. She pulls her hair back. She's, she's standing up straight again. She's, she's willing to talk to people. She, she has words to say. And that all comes from, that comes from her, her family being super supportive and and honest with her in that relationship and from her growing and kind of looking outside herself realizing that you know she has to maybe kind of help out a little bit she can't just you know go into her own world that she's part of a family too yeah interesting well and so so dealing or diving right off of that then we talk about the ideas that are presented here and I think, I think one of the biggest ideas, and you said this already, is that the nuclear family, mom, dad, and children, is good. And and that family model is where the the individuals in the family can be the best people they are going to be with that support structure behind them. And that's the best place to grow and to learn and to to, to live your life is as a part of that family unit one way or the other. Yeah. In fact, it's even kind of referenced. I, I had to actually see this spelled out to get it. Um, but the Island that syndrome's base is on is called no Island. Oh, no man is an Island. Yeah. Oh, geez. I had to see it spelled out to get it, but it makes sense now. <laughs> and that really is kind of the, the thing that Mr. Incredible has to get back from, right, is he's, he's really relying on himself too much and, and thinking that he can kind of do his own thing and not depending on his family and seeing the adventure that's there too. And at the same time, right, it's not that he gives up being a superhero to be yeah. with his family, right? Um, it's a little more nuanced than that. 
it's that he realizes that they're both just as important, right? So sure, he has all these, you know, wonderful talents and things, and of course he's going to use them. But at the same time, he's not going to sacrifice his family to do so. And he realizes that his family, even as it is, um, whether they've got superpowers or not, is still the most important thing and that he has to rely on them sometimes. And that's kind of his whole arc and kind of the arc that each of the characters in a different way goes through as well. Well, and they're really they're really contrasting that against Buddy, who, like you said, he, he is an island. He has... I guess a quasi girlfriend. I'm not quite sure what his relationship is with Mirage, but he, he is an Island. He, and he's trying to be, and he's trying to do everything for himself by himself with himself. And the, the, the people around him don't matter because it's all about him. And he ultimately fails because that's not the best way to live life because you don't have anyone there to call you out on your nonsense to tell you when you're doing something dumb and when you need to when you need to get off of whatever it is that you're doing and and I think uh one of the one of the most telling scenes in that is when so after the family has gotten has gotten blown out of blown out of their airplane and they all get back together and they need to go stop the they need to go stop the rocket and they need to go back to the city and stop stop the the bad robot. Mr. Incredible says, You guys stay here, I'll go do it. And Elastigirl's like, What? No. Like I I'm gonna come too. And he says, No, I'm you I you can't. I have to do this myself. And he says, I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to lose you. I can't lose you again. And what she says is, You're not going to we have to do this. We have to be a family. We have to do this together. And, and then they succeed as a family with, with their, with their friend, you know, cause, cause, uh, Frozone is, is also a part of their family. He's a surrogate brother of, of, uh, of Bob. So I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right that, that the whole thing is a, a, a giant metaphor for why, why that nuclear family is so blasted important. Which also kind of makes sense of why you try to tell that through a superhero movie. Cause lots of superhero movies, um, the whole, you know, theme is like teamwork saves the day and we're individually weak, but together we're strong kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which really kind of makes sense of why you'd kind of pick that trope. And then say like, well, it's not just about individual people; it's about the family too, which is really a powerfully wholesome message. It is. It is. Well, and it's and it's put up in a very wholesome way. I mean, I know, I know the X Men comics did that a lot, where you know, we're we're more we're stronger as a team than we are as individuals, and you can deal with all kinds of situations life throws at you, so long as you're a part of that family. And that's good, but I think The Incredibles takes it to the proper place and says, no, no, we're an actual family. And yes, we can have surrogate family members, but we're an actual family. And that's the place to deal with the the craziness of the world around you is as a family, as as individuals in a family who who are together. And I think you're right. I think it is it is so powerful to be put in this context. 
So uh, one, another, another thing that I really liked is uh, mom and dad are arguing at one point and they're, they're yelling at each other about whatever. I don't even remember what they're yelling at each other about. What I, what I really loved is the kids show up and they're like, there, you guys, you guys are fighting. This is bad. And, and mom and dad are like, we're, yes, we're fighting, but, but when we fight, we will, we will come up with a solution. We are a team. Mom and dad are a team. And so we'll make a decision together based on what we think is right. And we might have to argue it out to get there, but, but we're a team. And I thought that was a really great message to, to put out there because that's one of the things in, I think that's one of the things in marriages that is so often forgotten is you are going to have disagreements with your spouse. That is going to happen. You are going to fight about things. Now, whether you fight by shouting or you fight by being quiet or how, however it is that those arguments work out in your marriage, they happen. But the thing that has to be kept in the forefront is, but we are married, we are together, we have a common goal, we have a common desire, and so we'll work this out to get to a common solution to the problem, and then we'll move forward with that solution. And I I think that's a hugely powerful message to push out to children, because, because this movie goes to children from all kinds of different homes, from from good homes from broken homes to orphans to to whatever and to give them a picture of what a what a good strong husband and wife relationship is where they have problems and they have issues but they come back to each other and they trust each other uh, it's it's so important so i don't know i i don't i don't know if i have any other any other things for ideas to present uh don't lie to your family that's kind of a <laughs> or or at least don't lie to your wife that's yeah, kind really of don't a lie to your wife. Yeah, it's a bad idea. So we really haven't talked about this character much, and I think she's fantastic, and that's Edna Mode. And <laughs> uh, her whole thing with Elastigirl is fantastic. I think that's just the best way to deal with somebody in a situation like that. Um, her whole approach is, you know, she, she basically, you know, allowed Elastigirl to figure it out because she knew, she was crafty. She knew all along what, Mr. Incredible was doing. You know, this uh-huh. was no, no pulling the wool over on her, but she needs the last girl to find out for herself what's going on. And then, Oh, she just, you know, last girl just breaks down into tears. Oh, you know, how did I not see this coming? I've lost him. It's all over and all this. And, and she, you know, Edna Bo just jumps on the table and pull yourself together. <laughs> it's, <laughs> We need that sometimes in life. I need that a lot of just like a, you know, it's, it's part pep talk, part just like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, yeah. don't, don't sit there wallowing in self pity and despair and this hole that you've dug for yourself. Like just go out there and do it. Yeah. And then tell me how it goes because it's entertaining. <laughs> and I think that's great. We all need a friend like that who can like know what's going on, help us figure it out. You know, sometimes in crafty ways, give us the, you know, the, the actual physical support we need, like the suits we need to take on whatever the day's trouble is. And also just like every now and then we need somebody to smack up, smack us upside the head and be like, you're better than this. Don't wallow in self pity. 
Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. We definitely need that. Well, and and, and this is so this is something we've been talking about in church a lot as as men, we need relationships with other people, with other men in the church so that when we get like that, we have someone who can come up to us and 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 help us through that situation and then slap us and say, "All right, get over yourself. Go go fix this." Get, get up and go fix this. And if we don't have those relationships, if we just kind of retreat into our own family and, and this is, this is one of the, this is one of the things that as an individual in a family, you still have to do. If you just retreat into your own family and never have any outside contact, then you're never going to have that person. And I, I wonder, I, I wonder if, I don't know. I wonder if Frozo needed to do that better with, with Mr. Incredible. If he needed to be that, that person to slap him and say, you're, you're doing dumb things. I don't know. I don't know if he would have realized it or not, but. Well, that was kind of part of the problem was that they were both in the same boat, right? They both had some kind of job that was unsatisfactory. It didn't feel like it was, you know, meeting their full potential uh, they wanted to be you know the heroes again and so that's why every night or you know every you know tuesday night or whenever it was that they would go out you know quote unquote bowling they were bowling you know, really night going reliving their cape crusading days and you know saving the bank from being robbed or mm. um you know whatever it was they were doing so they were both in the same boat of of kind of running away from their families to try to relive these fantasies. Mm-hmm. Not exactly fantasies, but to, to try to, to, to relive the glory days. Yeah. Like, like I, like I said, with guys, I know that, that live for playing rec basketball and, and that's, and that's what they desire is to be good at playing rec basketball because they remember playing basketball in high school and how good it was. And they just want a taste of that. Mm hmm. And and sometimes, sometimes people let wanting that taste of it to overcome to to over overpower the rest of their life and say, no, no, I want to live to re-experience that experience. And I think you you said it you said it best earlier. The goal in life isn't to try and relive past experiences, but to take our past experiences and use them to shape our current life so that we can continue on and not to say that what we did in the past, you know, if they were good things, like being a superhero is a good thing. Being a, you know, playing sports is good. Being, being in school is good. Doing those things is good, but we can't get stuck in them. We have to move forward and we have to invite our family into those things with us to move forward in life. And the way we the way we experience those things becomes different as we grow and we have to learn how to grow with those things. All right. So let's, let's, let's do this real quick. Cause we've now waxed eloquently about this movie for a while. What are your favorite scenes in this movie? Oh my goodness. The whole thing is fantastic. Rewatching it again. I was just like, ah, it's so good. <laughs> It's really hard. <laughs> Can I just tell you, like, 
the ones that I didn't like as much because I feel like that's the <laughs> list. <laughs> um, I, mean, I guess I, you know, all the ones, all the James Bond callbacks are great. Um, the whole, all the things with them being on the island when the whole family ends up there and they're fighting the bad guys and and doing all the stuff is just fantastic. I think of that probably some of my favorite is when uh, Dash is running away from the uh, helicopter uh-huh. speeder things and, and he's running and he's running and then he's out on this lake and he realizes that he can run on water and he just gives this like cackle and I'm just like, Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a, that was a fun moment. I enjoyed all of the random things that Elastigirl did where she was, she was a parachute or she oh, yeah. was, she was a cover so that when the plane blew up, no one was injured or she stretched out really far because she got stuck and she had to get <laughs> the key card. And, uh, it was hilarious. Oh yeah. It, animators must've had so much fun with that. Or alternately that was just agonizing, but anyway, we had fun watching it. <laughs> yeah. One way or the other. Cause all of the tools that you build for how you animate a human body get thrown out the window when you, Stretch it. <laughs> All right. So some, some, uh, let's see, nitpicking or unanswerable questions. And I'll, I'll open this up to you. Do you have any nitpicks of this movie or, or unanswerable questions? To- the only one that gets me is when it, Dash is, is running on water and he's in the tunnel and he like stops real quick to turn one direction and then he stops real quick and he turns the other way and he never falls through the water. But then all of a sudden he just like, ducks down underneath and i just i don't know about you but that's not how water works it just kind of like threw me off i mean i guess i guess by physics it makes sense because since he's moving so fast his feet they don't have time to sink I guess. Well, I mean, I, I, so, I get the whole like running on water. Like basilisk lizards can run on water. They sure. have to do it really fast and have like special feet. But you know, we'll, we'll assume that you know feet thing aside. If you're just really fast, you can go across the water. But like, I, then I guess, he stops and doesn't sink. I guess what I would say is he stops and turns so quickly that he doesn't sink. He he doesn't. Right he doesn't lose enough potential energy to drop through the water. He, he, he keeps his, he keeps it all. His inertia maintains his, his upward. Yeah. Anyway, something. And then when he stops, I saw where I was like, I don't, I don't think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I, I can, I can work my way around that one because because he's he's moving the whole time and and even when he stops and turns he's still moving real fast and then he stops and it takes a moment and then he sinks so it's it there there has to be a certain time lapse before you sink in water maybe that's what it is we'll go with physics that. physics forgets that it's working right and and it has to remember his feet were moving so fast you could you couldn't see the movement but yeah. Anyway. Oh yeah. Maybe he was, maybe he was running in place. <laughs> Just really, really fast. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's funny. I, I honestly, I don't have many. I, 
and and maybe I I haven't watched this movie enough times, but I don't know. The storyline seems relatively tight. I mean, aside from maybe Syndrome being kind of a uh, not the most smartest of cookies, giving given he gives all of the controls for this thing that he's going to fight on one little wristband that it instantly shoots off of his arm. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's a megalomaniac. He's he's he has such yeah. a narcissistic ego that that part sort of makes sense. You know, that is his hubris. Is his his massive ego? Yeah, maybe, maybe that makes sense. I guess I don't know. I, the the other thing the other thing that made me laugh was just how many people died in this movie. <laughs> it's true. There's so a many lot of death. Stormtroopers. They. Oh my gosh. It it reminds me of watching any of the Marvel movies where, you know, they're rated PG-13. So there's not going to be a lot of blood. They're not going to show a lot of death. But, but man, so everyone. Uh, all the explosions. Uh, just think about Captain America punching a human person in the chest and sending them flying. That person died. <laughs> yeah. So like any normal human being that the Avengers fight is just dead. And and it just is what it is. They died. Yeah. And the same thing happens in this movie. All of those guys, they're dead. The guy got thrown through a wall. Yeah, he died. Yeah, he died. Right. He died. <laughs> uh, the people, the people that uh, Incredible and Frozone save from the burning building. Incredible runs through a wall with a pile <laughs> of people on his shoulder. Those people are all dead. They, they died. Yeah. Uh, it, Oh I, I, I remember thinking that too. And I was like, didn't he just like break the wall with the person with the shoulder that had people on it? I'm yeah, that's uh that's questionable. He's, he's not saving people anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, a lot of people die. <laughs> so that's uh, these kind of movies. You just wonder where you find the henchman. Like uh, it must've had just like a killer benefits plan. Or something. I, Just how, how do you find these people? <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, I guess we're solving we're solving overpopulation by just having evil henchmen. That's every every action movie problem of just where do you find all the henchmen? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's sort true. of a sort of a reverse nitpicking. Um, the scene in the airplane when Elastigirl's flying the airplane and trying to land on the island is actually very, very accurate. Huh. As far as like the calls that she makes and kind of the interior cockpit and things like that, it's just very, pretty darn realistic. As someone well, who grew cool. up around aviation, that was satisfying to me. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that as, as she's putting the airplane through all all kinds of evasive maneuvers. She never stops talking to ground control to get them to understand what's going on. I, I did enjoy that. My only question is how she found their radio frequency. Because if it was a secret, secret island, it's not going to be just like on a map of like the middle of the Indian Ocean or whatever. Like <laughs> Also, secret layer island, <laughs> you know, approach is at, uh, you know, Radio frequency eight three zero dot five. Well, can you can you can you push out your radio frequency on like 
all frequencies at the same time, or do you have to dial in each individual frequency to? It's just like FM or AM radio, like you're on a particular frequency. So, I mean, there could be, there there are just kind of general frequencies, but like she's specifically calling Island approach, which means it's on, uh, on an IFR, like a map (laughs) that had the island on it. That's, I don't know. It's, it's an inside thing that's funny to me, but it is such a nitpicky of nitpicky details that I will let that one pass. Maybe for tax purposes, <laughs> he had it registered as something else and included the approach frequency <laughs> on the aviation. Well, not only that, but they had to deliver all of the materials to that base. So there, there they go. had to oh, have either sense. either cargo planes or cargo ships coming into that base. So that so there, you know, it was a it was a it, it did have to have a commercial side of it. All right. Well, there so, we go. That, you know, yeah. that explains it. Yeah. So that, that was the, that was the front and, and her contact who got her the plane was able to dig through past records and, and find that. Yeah. Of course. Then the next question is uh, a kind of along the same lines as how much money did the, did the death star cost to build? <laughs> uh, how much, how much money did it take for Syndrome to build all this crap? Because there's there's like hundreds of miles of railway, and I, he's he designed and built a rocket and like hovercraft, and you don't see that technology in the rest of the world, so he's not selling it. Like I just I don't I don't understand how the economics of I, it's implied that he is an arms dealer because he has his monologue with. Mr. Incredible. And he talks about how he sold, he's just selling his weapons to other people. So okay, I mean, he's so it's just the weapons. Himself, but he's obviously been selling things. Huh. His, his inventions, he's, he's sold some of them to finance his base. All right. I'm not quite sure how he's made the billions uh, yeah. of dollars, but you know, I, you know, things were different back in the seventies. It was easy for an evil henchman to, to make a buck. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. Megalomaniacs oh. were everywhere, man. Yeah. Yeah. Times have changed. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Complex. Ain't what it used to be. <laughs> that's true. All right. So let's talk about some warnings here. We've talked about the action. So there's a lot of action in this movie. Uh, my children are not going to be seeing this for a while. It's uh, it's, it's pretty it's pretty exciting and intense and I mean, children aren't going to think it, but yes, a lot of people die. So there's action, there's violence. I don't think there's any language, even name calling. I, I, I think, I don't, I don't think anybody was calling anybody names except for maybe syndrome. But even then I, yeah. So there was, there was no, there was no language. Um, the only, I guess sexual content or relationship is Violet has a crush on a guy and Bob and Helen are married. So they kiss. There is implied to squeezing. It's off yeah. camera. It's just barely out of focus or out of frame. You're right. She pinches him. Doesn't she? Huh? Well, okay. So, so there's, there's a, there's a butt pinch for those families who do not have public displays of butt pinching. Be warned. Uh, hmm. There is some kind of like subtle flirting going on between 
Mr. Incredible and Mirage. That is true. Which is kind of a major part of the film that Mrs. Incredible thinks Mr. Incredible is having an affair. That is true. That that is a and that's a big plot point. Yeah. It is a very the funny thing is plot point that does resolve itself well. It does. It resolves itself very well. And I think I think the reason it resolves itself so well is I don't think Mr. Incredible is really trying to have an affair or trying to put moves on her. I think he's just enjoying himself and she's a person that's there while he's enjoying his his life. Yeah. And someone that appreciates him and that he can kind of get back into the the kind of just excitement of being a superhero again. Yeah. So I guess, I guess if this were to continue for long enough, it might turn into a real affair. Maybe. It's maybe a warning for Uh sure. And it's not appropriate, but again, it's, it's, it's all about um, his kind of isolating himself and what other people think of that. And, and the whole, bad problem that he gets himself into but again it does actually resolve itself well so anyway but i I think for i mean again like you said little little kids aren't going to really want to watch this movie anyway um for older kids i mean when i watched it i definitely picked up on it and i would have been like school age at the time Mm -hmm. um but it is resolved at the end yeah, so I think even even though there is that content in there, I think it's good, yeah. oddly enough. Yeah, I, I don't think it's superfluous or vulgar in any way. No, not at all. But it's something to know. It's something to know about because that is a conversation that needs to happen is why was Mr. Incredible having so much fun in this in this secret life of his and how could that be dangerous for him? What could have happened? Mm -hmm. And how do you protect yourself from being in those situations? And and I think you and I, as men um, often work around other women that our wives don't know. (laughs) And so Uh, um, we have our own kind of integrity to uphold. Yeah. Because we, and and not to say that you can't be as as a man you can't be friendly with other women as a woman you can't be friendly with other men that you, that you can't have friendships opposite sex friendships but there have to be boundaries and you have to know what those boundaries are and you have to stick with them mm-hmm. and and if you don't things get dicey and i think that's the point that mr incredible is at is things are beginning to get dicey and if he doesn't put a rein on this, there's a chance that it could go very badly for him. So I think it's a great conversation point. Maybe not for young children, but but as kids are getting into middle school and high school, that that becomes a con a conversation is how do you have a relationship with with people of the opposite sex? Because it's a big deal. So I, I think this I think this movie brings up a lot of those good questions. And, and I think I think one of the one of the coolest answers to that question is Violet at the very end of the movie, Violet has a conversation with her her crush, whatever his name is. And 
she has a conversation with him. They set a date and immediately she goes and sits with her family and, and enjoys the activity that her family is doing with her family. Like she doesn't try and leave her family. She doesn't try and keep her personal life separate and apart from them. Her, her life is is wrapped up in her family and and therefore she's able to have that relationship outside of it in a in a proper way and I, I thought that was really interesting yeah it's definitely so. a good kind of resolution to her character and, and we kind of get the feeling that she's not it feels like a very real person because she's not just mm-hmm. this horrible you know everything wrong with her at the beginning of the film, neither of them, none of the characters are that way, but we see real growth in these particular areas, which is, I think, yeah. makes them feel more real. I think so. Well, Jared, do you have any last thoughts before we, before we end this? It's, uh, I feel like it's such a wholesome film. You know, like we've said, there's so few things <laughs> we found wrong with it. You know, that it's it's absolutely worth watching. Um, it really is, I think, one of those kind of epitome of family movies. It's not just a kid's movie. It really is a good family movie. Um, yeah. And kind of the only reason why you would ever not consider watching it is um, just not being able to enjoy it as much. You know, I feel like four or five year old is not going to enjoy the movie the way that, you know, maybe a 10 year old would Um, just because there's going to be some stuff that's just kind of over the top, you know, just kind of over their heads. Yeah. I look at my family and I think my oldest would enjoy it a lot. He's, he's eight and, and he, he can separate what's happening on the screen with what's real in life my daughter, who's seven, she's still not I, – I think she would be able to enjoy this movie. My next daughter, who's five, she would not be able to handle this movie. And then the three-year-old twins, they they would just watch it for the spectacle and would feed off of whatever emotions their siblings are giving off because they're not old enough to understand it yet. But, but I think you're right. Be, somewhere between five and eight or ten or something like that. And, I, and then I think this movie is a lot of fun after that. All right. Well, if you've if you've uh, made it this far, thank you so much for listening to us, Jared. Thank you for sitting down and and rewatching this movie with me and discussing it. I know I had a good time. Absolutely. Oh, it was just agony having to rewatch one of my favorite movies all over again. Right. Horrible and terrible. <laughs> all right. So if you really enjoyed this, tell someone else about us. Uh, if you want to, you can go find us on. Uh, let's see. We're on. Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, all of those. We are at Living Movies Pod. So go tell us what a good job we're doing, or what a terrible job we're doing, or I don't know how you how you like or don't like something or anything, uh, or something. I don't know. You can also go to your uh, media player and write a review for us. If you're on iTunes, give us a five star review and write us a review. That helps out a lot. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, just tell someone about us or or just keep listening because that works too. So thank you for hanging out. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.